The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Another week, another week closer to the start of the high school football season. Welcome inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake, Eric Little. Happy to have you with us once again. Thanks for the download, the listen, or however else you got us. This is a high school football podcast about high school football. What else in the Mid-Ohio Valley? We thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you'll subscribe and continue to join us in subsequent weeks. Up ahead, we'll continue to tell you about our preseason preview series that's airing on Facebook Live. We'll also have the results from last week's poll and we'll have a new poll question for you and we'll talk to Wayne Ryan of the Secondary Schools Activities Commission about some rules changes that you need to know about before the coming season. A couple of those changes are pretty significant changes. I think they're all going to help the way the game is played and the product that you see, help improve the product that you see on the field each week. So much to cover here this week. Let's get into that preseason preview series. I had a chance to visit some more coaches since we last talked and one of those of course my longtime friend Jody Moat at St. Mary's High School. We talked about his quarterback and the maturation of Brennan Boron. Boron will be back at quarterback for St. Mary's once again, and Jody Moat says he's put in the work both in the weight room and in the locker room. He's made tremendous progress in the weight room, tremendous progress just as a student athlete. I mean, he wrestles, he runs track, good kid in, in the school. Him, and there's other guys like him that have made progress. And it's just hard to narrow this kid or that kid just because I don't like to do that anyways. But right. with him, I don't mind because quarterback position, obviously. And defensively, he was one of our one of our uh, more physical kids last year. So he'll, he'll play a linebacker position for us this year. So obviously, you have a quarterback and linebacker, which doesn't happen very often. But uh, Roan County, obviously, they had it. Uh, East Hardy's had it. Parkersburg uh, South. I saw that on a regular basis last year, yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's just it's – just, one of those things, and Jason Clayton, he's backing up uh, Boron at quarterback, and uh, you know, so he's been working great with that. We're a team that's always been our focus. It's not me as a coach. It's not Boron as a quarterback or linebacker. We're just a team, man. Well, that's what this sport's about. Well, let me ask you this about Boron. I saw this with Braden Mooney at Parkersburg South last year, where playing linebacker and that contact got him more engaged in the game, and, and it kept his mind sharper and more focused. Do you see that with Boron this year? I think he's a smart football player, so yeah. I think obviously, uh, you know, I think he has a, a, a grasp for the game. And when you go back through the years, and just different kids just had that football mindset. You know, it's, I mean, it's kind of like they had, it's, it's kind of like them being the coach on the field. That's St. Mary's head coach Jody Moat. It's worth noting later in the interview he got a little emotional when discussing Bill Hanlon. This will be the first season in a while that St. Mary's has not had Bill Hanlon on their sidelines. He passed away, of course, since last season. And Moat feeling the loss there, and I'm sure that will be one that's palpable in the locker room and with that team all season long, especially among those upperclassmen. So hold a thought for those folks that have dealt with the loss of Bill Hanlon and, and grieved that loss back in the spring but are really feeling it now. Now at the time of the year where he's missing the most, perhaps. We talked to Marietta High School head coach Jason Schaub about what to expect there. He's got a returning quarterback. Corbin Alkire is back for his third year as a starter, and they've got a lot to go around him that returns. But Schaub says one of the bigger focuses was team chemistry and developing leaders for this coming year. We talked about as a coaching staff, um, the biggest things we need to work on is building a relationship with the kids and showing we care about them. And if we do that, 
we think they're going to respond a lot better, and they've done a great job so far. So as a coaching staff, we really try to emphasize caring for the kids and showing we care about the kids. And since that, they've really rallied together as a team. team. We've really uh, combined well with coaching staff and players. What do you think it takes to make good student-athlete leaders? How is that made? Is that just having a certain person, or is that developed a little bit, or where does that come from? You have to be intentional about it, and I think most coaches have the right frame of mind that that's what they want to do, but you need to intentionally teach that, um, because realistically, a lot of kids either hear it at home and don't listen, or um, aren't taught it at home. So I think that's our responsibility of coaches to teach those character or moral, moral things um, that carry over the rest of their life. That's Marietta head coach Jason Schaub back across the river on the West Virginia side in Parkersburg, PHS is looking for a quarterback. Mike Bias has a few different players he's looking at, two to three of them specifically, and they'll use the scrimmages to help figure out where they are in that quarterback competition. Well, with two or three who can who can go do it, they, and then they all have different uh, skill sets. You know, some of them might have a little stronger arm, some of them might be more accurate, some of them might do, do better in a run game, some throw that ball down the field better. I mean, it's just, we're trying to kind of mold that in there and see what skill set each one of them has, and we're truly go into the scrimmages and try to find out who can move the team the best. A little bit like Goldilocks, you're looking for the one that's just right? Uh, the one that's just right. That's PHS head coach Mike Bias. Now, one of the things that they'll have to contend with this year is youth. They did have injuries last year, but for PHS, a lot of the guys that were injured were replaced by other seniors. Mike Bias had seniors backing up seniors, so those injuries did not really allow a lot of younger players the opportunity to play, and that would be one of those things that helps some teams that go through injury-riddled seasons and helps you prepare for next year. That's not what PHS had. They'll have a lot of youth there in that quarterback competition, but a lot of time for PHS to get where they need to be. Well, a team that found a quarterback last year is Ritchie County. They've settled on Dakota Wayne, at quarterback. He kind of edged out Gabe Ray and maybe had a skill set that was perhaps a little bit better suited to what the Rebels wanted to do last year. Year two for Rick Haught, and he says the buy-in was pretty good with the weight training this year, and he also had some guys come out for the track team, and that's made them a little bit faster faster than the year before. Of course, Haught also the track coach at Ritchie County, and he says that some of that experience has proved some noticeable dividends in his runners. I'm going to tell you, my best example of that goes back to last year. Gabe Ray, before I took the football job over, came out for track and the average speed. You could significantly see the improvement he made to his speed. Caden Procasina, to his credit, came out for track last spring. He is faster this fall in the football field. I think Trey Moss is also a step faster. So practice is practice and running is practice. And so you come out and, and join a track team and help a track team out, you're going to get faster. And so it has benefited all those kids. Is it a conditioning thing? Is there a technique or both? I think a little bit of both. You become more efficient running just by doing it more. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's some technique there. That's Ritchie County head coach Rick Haught. Another guy that's in his second year, or at least of his second go-around, is Frontier head coach Russ Morris. And the Cougars have numbers that are low. They're in the 20s this year, and they don't make any bones about that. But they are looking to build in year two under Morris and overcome some of the mistakes that plagued them at the end of last year's games. Uh, they lost two close games last year, Morris says, where they committed five turnovers in each of those games, and some better ball handling and some other things might have helped them win those games. The schedule's also in line with where this team needs to be. Some new teams on there that we'll tell you about in just a few moments, but Morris says it's just about the progression in year two and making strides, moving forward, getting better than you were the year before. I always tell the kids, last year at this time we were learning to crawl, we were crawling, trying to learn to walk, but now we've kind of hit the ground running and taking things a little bit to the next level and doing some things we never would have dreamed of 
this time last year. Is it possible in a year that isn't a playoff year to take things that were positive and have what you call a strong finish and build from that and take that into the offseason and keep that enthusiasm going? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, we did not start a senior last year, so we knew, and I knew coming in it was going to be a process. We talked about that a lot, and we were able to take a lot of positives and use them as motivation in the off season. Even use some of the negatives mm-hmm. as motivation in the off season. Some of our tough losses, we use that as firing our belly to, to work hard in the weight room. Like I said, I've been really pleased with the kids, how hard they worked, and it's gonna pay dividends here on the field uh, this year. That's Frontier head coach Russ Morris. What's new and notable about that schedule is an emphasis on regional rivalries and an emphasis on teams that are also where the Cougars are and where Frontier High School is enrollment-wise. They'll open the season at home against Payton City, and they've got trips to places like Bellsville and Cameron, a home game against Parkersburg Catholic, where his former player, Lance Benninger, is the head coach. So some really neat opportunities there. They don't have a lot of far road trips this year, and they don't welcome a lot of teams from very far away. So they're playing teams in the region, they're playing teams in the area, and it's a schedule that Frontier fans can really enjoy and get around. But Morris in his second year, hoping to improve from where the Cougars were last year. So that's our preseason preview series for this week. Stay tuned next week. We'll talk to coaches from Tyler Consolidated, Payton City, Magnolia, and River. And for the full interviews, you can find those on our Facebook page, the Light Rock 93R Facebook page. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Time now to take a look at last week's poll question. We asked you, other than your favorite team, which team in the area are you most excited to see and why? When they're not multiple choice questions, when they're open-ended questions, we don't always get the feedback that we hope to get, but we got pretty good feedback from a couple guys this week. Craig Dutton writes and says, covering Tyler Consolidated this season on WXCR, the first two weeks of the season have some of their most interesting matchups with local teams like Ritchie County and Doddridge County. The last two teams, along with Tyler Consolidated, have some holes to fill, but have a lot of playmakers coming back. For Tyler, they got Mark Rucker. For Ritchie County, they got Gus Morrison. And for Doddridge County, they have Hunter American. I'll talk more about Doddridge County in just a few minutes. Tyler Consolidated will have them on next week. We're going to talk to Ryan Walton next week and get the leg up on the Silver Knights, but I agree. A playoff team last year, they got in as a 16 seed. Where can they take that this year? And what can Mark Rucker do to expand upon what was a really good year for him last year? Mitch Owen writes, he's got two, Hunter America and Mark Rucker. Last year when they met, they totaled 646 yards between them and 11 touchdowns. That's a matchup in week two, so Mitch Owen also with an eye on that Tyler Consolidated Doddridge County game. That is on 1455 Media. You can find that game streaming live, so that'll be kind of a, a neat thing there. I hope to talk with Mitch, who runs 1455 with his business partner, Troy Duvall. I hope to either talk to one, if not both, of those guys about that venture and tell you more about that on a future edition of the podcast. But either way, Craig with an eye on Tyler Consolidated and Mitch with an eye on specifically that Tyler Consolidated Doddridge County matchup. I think I'm going to throw my hat in the Doddridge County ring as well. That's a team that's not typically in what I consider our coverage area, not really within our purview, but we talk about them a lot because they end up playing a lot of teams that come in to the scope here. Uh, this is one of those years that is a banner year for them. They've got a brand spanking 
sparkling new facility in Doddridge County. If you've not seen pictures of it, it is fantastic. Google it. It's an incredible place, and it's going to be a really nice venue and probably the state's premier small school athletic complex. But with Hunter America back for his senior year, a brand new facility, big things are expected, and there's already anticipation around that program. And I think with all that hitting at a fever pitch, that's going to make this year a really big year. So I'm interested to see what Doddridge County does to follow up their playoff run last year with what could be a big year for Hunter America. Can he stay healthy? Can he repeat what he did last year? I want to see what that Doddridge team can do because if he stays healthy and if he produces the way he did last year, the sky's the limit. We'll take a look at this week's poll, which is posted on our Facebook page. What gets you more excited about the start of any new season? This is a multiple choice question, but we do encourage write-in answers. And this week's poll again, what gets you more excited about the start of any new season? Your, your answer choices are your team's chances or school slash community spirit. What gets you more excited about the start of any new season? Your team's chances or school slash community spirit? Of course, you can also write answers in. And that's encouraged. We, we would like to see uh, some different thoughts and opinions on that. Facebook only allows us two options. Uh, we'll let you know what people said, not just to the multiple choice, but if anybody added any of their own thoughts to that question, that could be interesting for a few different reasons. So we'll have that for you next week on the program. This week we had a chance to sit down with Wayne Ryan, the Assistant Executive Director of the WVSSAC, to talk about some of the rule changes this year. The biggest involves the play clock and how that's done differently in a way that's intended to make the game a little smoother and help iron out some of the inconsistencies with the pace of certain officiating crews. We'll tell you about that, plus an exciting change of the Super 6 and whether or not that could be expanded, and a new rule that has a lot of people excited about participation. We're joined by WVSSAC Assistant Executive Director Wayne Ryan to talk about some of the rules changes this year. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's good to be with you. The big change this year that we'll see everywhere is the play clock. There'll be a 40-second play clock and there'll be a 25-second play clock. How will that work, and when will we see both of those implemented? Well, anytime there's administrative stoppage, then you'll see the 25-second clock just like it has been. You'll hear a whistle, and you'll see the official put the ball into play. When there's not an administrative stoppage, even on first downs or plays from line of scrimmage, if there's no administrative stoppage, the 40-second clock will start immediately. And then once the ball is placed and the official steps away, it's ready for play. But there'll be no whistle in that situation. Three states around our nation have experimented with this for three years. It's went very well. We're not saying there won't be a hiccup here or there at first, but once everyone gets used to it, it keeps a constant flow of the game. It keeps the tempo pretty much the same for both teams, home and away, and it makes the officiating a little bit more balanced in it. Obviously, just the human nature, some officiating crews are going to work faster, some slower. This will, will hopefully make everyone work at about the same pace. 40-second play clock, that would be a situation where Team A would be punting to Team B. The ball's set for placement and there's no stoppage, and then Team B would take over. Would that be one of those examples of a time where you would have that play clock put in? No, that would actually be an administrative stoppage because you have a change of possession. Okay, okay. And you have offense and defense coming out. Anytime there's administrative stoppage, any penalty, any change of possession, just because there's a first down, the play clock will be set at 40 and it will run. The game clock will be reset as soon as the ball is ready for play. So once the ball is set for change of possession, for instance, the punt scenario, that's when it starts. You would have the regular traditional 25-second clock on that because okay. it had an administrative change. It's any time that you have a play from line of scrimmage, there's no penalty, there's no issue, where the game is in flow, then we're just going to have a 40-second game clock that starts, and we roll. 
a little cleaner and easier for the people on site, I imagine, to run as well. Well, I think once they get used to it, it will be without a doubt. Now, at first, you know, anytime you make change, you, you have a hiccup here or there. But we've had uh, state workshops all around the state, train most of our clock operators. A lot of fields are set up that the uh, play clock is ran through the ready ref system and the official will keep it on the field. So although there will be a, uh, a glitch here or there within a week or two, I think we'll have it have it down pretty well. Another rule change that I know some coaches that I've talked to are excited about is the eight-man rule allowed for JV and freshman games. Can you tell us how that works? Well, it's really simple. And the premise is we've had a lot of junior varsity football games that are being canceled because teams, for various reasons, be it a quarter limitation, be it injuries by midseason, they get down to you know, 13, 14 players, so they decide not to play the JV game. What we wanted was those young men to practice every day, the opportunity to still play that game. So we gave the opportunity at all sub varsity levels opportunity as long as the teams the schools coaches agree the day before to uh, change that to an eight-man football game so that uh, so that the game can be played instead of canceled if you're not familiar with eight man how is that different from the regular 11 man other than of course the the number of people on the field a couple differences the way we're going to do it in west virginia we're going to go ahead and play on the regular field you can reduce the field but we're not at this point so the difference is there's still five men on the line of scrimmage but the two men on the end of the line of scrimmage are eligible and there are no number requirements so you could have number 76 as an eligible receiver if he's on the end of the line of scrimmage basically the center and the two guards are not eligible and everyone else is five men on the line of scrimmage three men in the backfield is that something that maybe as years progress, uh, could be implemented at the varsity level at a certain classification if uh, participation numbers go in that direction? Well, we actually surveyed our high schools three years ago trying to get information and interest on that because we do have some small schools and we have some schools that don't feel football that we thought might consider it. And uh, when the survey came back, we had seven schools statewide that had interest in eight-man football. But the geography of where they were located would have been really expensive to let them have their own division and play each other around the state. So at this point, that's probably not a possibility as we move forward, but we're not going to close the door on anything that uh, makes the game available to the kids. Maybe not a five-year thing, but possibly looking at revisiting that in 10 years to see where we are. Well, we revisit it every year, mm-hmm. but uh, at this point, there's just not the need, as I guess is the best way to put it, at the, at the high school varsity level. What are some of the other rule changes that are going to affect this year that people will notice right away? A couple things. One, you can no longer trip the runner. Um, you used to be able to trip a runner, make a tackle by tripping the runner. And if, if it's intentional, uh, it is now a penalty. The premise there was across the country last year, we had three or four broken legs with what I basically call soccer tackles, where they basically were tackling feet first uh, in, into people going down the sidelines that might be slightly ahead of them. They'd take the angle, slide in with their feet, and we had broken legs across the country. So they eliminated tripping. Uh, they changed the horse collar rule to what most fans already thought it should have been, which means that now if you grab the back of the jersey right below the collar, right below the neck in that area, the nameplate, and you pull that person backwards or sidewards is the way the rule reads, that is still going to be a horse collar. Whether your hand is down inside the jersey or inside the shoulder pad will no longer matter. If you grab in that area and the movement, uh, the safety movement in tackling brings that runner directly backwards or sidewards, now that's going to be a, a horse collar penalty also. I imagine that's probably a little bit easier for the officials to officiate as well, given the naked eye and the uh, and the speed that that'll go to. It's very difficult to tell if the hand was inside or not, but it's not difficult 
difficult to tell if the runner was pulled back dangerously. So that should help. Everybody in the stands sees that one and, and tries to call that themselves. That's true. That's one that gets called from the stands a lot. But by rule, was not a penalty, but now will be. Speaking of making things easier for your officials, in the Super 6, you'll have video replay available. I would imagine that is in large part because of the partnership with Metro News and the technology that's available there. How will that work for this year? Absolutely. We were not comfortable with, well, number one, we, we could not enact that in every level of the playoffs because we won't have that technology. We do have it with Metro, and uh, we'll have a tent set up in the end zone. Uh, they'll have at least four views of every play. We'll have a replay official, and uh, the referee and the replay official will come over and do the review, and uh, a coach will have two challenges. They don't carry over. They have two challenges, period, throughout the game. They can only challenge a scoring play or a uh, turnover. We did start uh, at a minimum, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll evaluate each year with the coaches committee from there. Will officials have to go through some different trainings or some further trainings to learn how to exactly deal with the nuances of the video replay system? One thing is you got to let the play play out and not have a quick whistle and then uh, let the, the video change the outcome if need be. Mm-hmm. So you will officiate that team a little bit different and they will have a little training on that prior to, uh, prior to move, moving on to wheeling. If this works well at the Super 6 level and Metro News is able to extend their coverage or someone is able to extend the coverage in the future to where this becomes available at more games, is that something you consider even at earlier rounds of the playoffs or even in select regular season games? It's not allowed in regular season by Federation rule. It's only allowed in postseason. But we would always look at opportunities to expand it where we feel it's appropriate. But we also have to consider, is it appropriate to extend it to just one game because it has the technology and not all of the playoff games in that round? So the, all those things will be considered and reviewed every year with our coaches committee. Uh, but moving forward for this year, it's, it's just in a Super 6. I want to finish with a question that possibly should have been the first question. From what it sounds like with these rule changes, it sounds like what you're hearing from coaches regarding safety, what you're hearing from your coaches committee, and, and of course what's coming from the National Federation is what helps shape these rule changes. How does that process work with your rules committee and uh, how does the discussion really continue throughout the year? We have a coaches committee that we do rely on. Now, we can't change the rules of the games but uh, with the federation, but we can propose rule changes and they have to submit rule changes to us by November 1 and then this office evaluates them and decides if they want to take them forward and write them up to the National Federation for a rule change. But some of these things that we've changed are simply within our own. For instance, some things that we haven't even talked about this year, penalties will be announced over the PA system and the player's name will be announced that commits the penalty. Uh, coaches will be given the option on the penalties instead of the captains. Various things like that have come through the committee that the ability to scrimmage on a Friday night instead of waiting till Saturday comes through the coaches committee. So the coaches committee certainly uh, recommends some things to our board of directors and they have to approve them. But the actual rules of the game have to be changed through the rules process at the National Federation meeting. Well, very good. Well, Mr. Ryan, thank you so much for your time today and for helping clear some of these things up. And good luck to you as and all the officials and coaches. On, on an, a safe and well-educated season this year. Well, that's what we're hoping for, and uh, you know, it's an exciting time. We love football and football season, so we can't wait to get out there. So, Eric, thank you very much. That's Wayne Ryan of the West Virginia Secondary Schools Activities Commission. want to thank him for making some time for me this week. I'm excited about those rules changes. I think in particular announcing who had the penalty. It's not meant as a way to embarrass a kid, but it's meant as a way to better explain what happened to those in attendance. One thing that Wayne also shared with me is some more information 
information about both the game shortening rule, that's often called the mercy rule, and the overtime procedures. And I'll share those with you next week on the program, but uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about both of those rules, and we'll share that with you next week on the podcast as we continue to get you set for the season. Next week, we'll continue our preseason preview series. We'll have more reaction to that. For the full series, find those on the Facebook pages of Seven Rangers Radio, most notably Light Rock 93R. After you hear this, you'll probably see videos from Tyler Consolidated, Peyton City, Magnolia, and River that'll wind down the series. We'll have some of the highlights from that next week on our program. Again, for the full videos, you can like us on Facebook at Light Rock 93R and find all the videos there. We'll have this week's poll question. Plus, we will take a look at the games to watch this year. I will take a look at all the area teams that were in that preseason preview series, all 12 of those teams, and maybe a few others outside that area, and give you one game for each team that will be important to watch, whether or not it'll be a, a swing game or a good game or just one game that'll be pivotal to that team's chances. And I will rank a top five games to watch in the area this year. Games that if you can find them streaming online somewhere or if you can get to them, uh, I recommend you do so. And and those will be ones that we'll be uh, placing particular emphasis on. That'll do it for us. I want to thank Wayne Ryan once again from the SSAC for being our guest. You heard earlier from St. Mary's head coach Jody Moat, Marietta head coach Jason Shub, PHS head coach Mike Bias, Ritchie County Head Coach Rick Hot, and Frontier Head Coach Russ Morris. We'll talk to you next week with more. Until then, thank you for joining. Write us, rate us, review us, share us, download us, subscribe to us on iTunes. I'm your host, Eric Little, and have a good rest of your week, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.